Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who is descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. All right, thanks, Andrew. You may be seated. Excited to share with you uh, here this morning, and before I do... Uh, I want to just say, I want to reiterate what we talked about last Sunday. I felt like we really tackled an important topic for the church and really for the world today. As we talked about sexuality, how God created that. We talked about pornography and that addiction. We talked about how as parents uh, we need to talk to and how to talk to our kids about sexuality and all that. Very, very important Sunday. If you missed it, go online and watch it very very good message. It was awesome. Awesome Sunday last week. Um, but out of that, we launched a group that we're calling Summer of Freedom. And I just wanted to highlight that again because I know that there are a lot of people uh, within our church and within our community that need a group like Summer of Freedom. And the, this, this whole pornography thing is just one of those silent killers. It's killing people. It's not just a guy thing anymore, it's, it's men and women, and it's destroying the destiny of way too many people. It's destroying people's marriages, it's destroying lives and families, and I just want to see everybody walk in the freedom that Jesus has for them. And so that's why I take a moment to highlight this, the summer of freedom could be the thing that helps you walk in the freedom that Jesus has for you. And I get it, this is a tough, a tough thing to admit and a tough topic to address in our own lives personally. Like, we can generally agree with this, but personally, if, if, if it's an issue, there can be a lot of shame connected to it. And I, I just, I just want to 
commit to you guys of making this a shame-free place. No shame. We really want to be a safe church for people to grow, to work through things. And I promise you, Friday night, that Summer of Freedom group is a safe place that you can go to. And so I'd encourage you to go this Friday night, 6.30, right in the youth center, right over here across from the driveway. It's safe, and it could be the thing that you need, the group that you need to walk in the freedom that Jesus has for you. It's so important, guys. That's why I take a moment to really encourage you in that again. Let us know if we can help you in that. I know this can be a scary thing for people, but it's a big deal. Some of you, you love Jesus, but maybe this is an issue that you're stuck in. Could you imagine the freedom that Jesus could bring to your life as you bring this into the light out of darkness? So I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a guy named John Wooden. John Wooden is considered to be not just the greatest basketball coach of all time, but probably the greatest coach of all time, uh, of any sport. And I mean, the dude won seven national championships as a college basketball coach. Seven national championships in a row. I think he won a total of 10 total, but seven in a row. That's pretty good, wouldn't you say? Like in that stretch, I think they lost like two games in like seven seasons. Like that's, that's pretty good. And so it's said, I heard that John Wooden would start off his college basketball season with his college team, and he would walk up to the guys and say, hey, boys, this is a basketball. <laughs> this is kind of funny, because you think about, he is coaching an elite college basketball program. Like, these guys have been playing basketball for years and years and years, probably since they were walking. Like, they know what a basketball is, yet Coach Wooden would walk up and say, hey, boys, this is a basketball. The goal of basketball is to get this round ball into that hoop. And then to stop the other team from putting this round ball into their hoop. Which really sounds kind of silly to, to start off a basketball season that way, but he did not want to assume anything. Also, he wanted to make sure that he started with the very, very basics at the foundation and built his way up from the very beginning. Because basketball, simply put, is what we just described right there. That's what basketball is, right? Get this round thing in that little, that hoop. And some people think, that's why I don't like basketball. That's just stupid. Like, why would you, why would you get excited about that? But it's awesome. Trust me. So he would go on to describe, Coach Wooden would go on to say, hey guys, the truth is it takes 10 hands to get the ball into the hoop. It takes a whole team to win a game. It takes a whole team to win a championship. And he would go from there and, and, just describe and it just ingrain into his entire team like we need each other. It is important that we work together. It is not about one person. It's about the team. But he would start from the very, very basics and build into that and build on that for the rest of the season. So in a sense, I want to do the same thing here today. That's why I mentioned that because I want to start very, very basic and very simple. Can you hold on to that for me? Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, friends. This is a Bible. Have you seen this before? And it's important that you and I don't just read this book and believe this book, but what's really important is that we live this book. This is the goal. If you and I are going to experience all that Jesus has for us, the fullness of Christ in and through our life like we're reading about today, then we must not just read, but we got to live this. we got to obey what God teaches us in this. This is foundational for us. And so as we look at today who we're called to be and what we're called to do and be as a church, it's important that we start right here. 
Because sometimes our traditions can get in the way of how we do church. And so we're looking at scripture. And we're going to talk about the church. For the next couple of weeks, I got some things on my heart that I want to share with us that help us be a church together. The title of this two-week series is Stop Going to Church. Did you get that email yesterday? Does anyone get that email? Hey, join us tomorrow for church for Stop Going to Church. You're like, what? That's like a conflicting message right there, right? Come to church and let's talk about stop going to church. Well, I'll just not go then. I don't have to listen to the message. How about I just listen right now, you know? So obviously you can get the premise of where we're going with this, right? Stop going to church. The goal is that you and I be the church. We want to live this thing out. We want to uh, obey what Jesus has given us on how to be his followers and how to be the church. And here's the deal, guys. Jesus didn't die on a cross so you and I could attend a Sunday morning church service every week. That's not why he hung on the cross and bled to death for you and me. He gave his life so that you and I could have life in and through him. This is not the goal. Sunday morning church attendance. It's not the goal. It's part of it. As God's people, gathering with God's people, there's amazing things that happen from this, but this is not the goal. So we're going to talk about how we can be the church. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. Ekklesia literally means called out. And so that's who we are as God's people, as the church. We are called out. We are called out to be with him, called out as his people. We're called out of the world to be different from the world. But we're also called to reach the world, right? To be in the world, to, to share the good news of the life-changing gospel of Jesus. Like, so we're, we're called out to be different, but to help people find and follow Jesus. Jesus gave us that mission. And so as a church, we have a mission. Every church has a, a, a mission that Jesus has given us. The question is, does the mission have a church? And there's a difference. Because we can agree on, this is what the mission is, this is what the mission is. But are we people living as a church community on that mission? We have a mission, but does the mission have a church? Does it have us as a local church? That's the goal. And so here's how we've articulated the mission for us, Rivers Church. We want to love people, live like Jesus, and lead others to him. That's how we want to be the church. And we can do that individually, and we can also do that collectively together. Love people. I, I pray that happens for us genuinely, that we're just loving people. And that we live like Jesus. That's the goal, to live like Jesus. So if I put my trust in Jesus, I'm now a Christian, right? A Christian literally means like little Christ. It's a little Christ. But a Christian is a disciple of Jesus, Disciple means learner or follower. And so as a disciple of Jesus, the goal is that I'm learning from him as I follow him. He is teaching me. I am a disciple of Jesus. And the only way he can disciple me is if I spend time with him and I go to his word and listen to what his word speaks to me. If I'm not spending any time in, this, in his word, then he is not discipling me. Now, the truth is, all of us are being discipled right now. We're all being discipled by someone or something. Too many people are being discipled by the media, by the news. Some of us are being discipled by, 
by, by politics and politicians. Some of us are being discipled by social media. Whatever the voices that you are listening to that is helping to determine how you think about the world, how, the decisions that you make, that is what is discipling you. And the goal is that we don't allow culture to disciple us. The goal is that Jesus disciples us so that we think like him, act like him. The goal is to become more and more like Jesus. And we don't do that by following a set of rules. We do that by allowing his spirit to work in us and to transform us into his likeness so that we look more and more and more and more like him. We'll never be perfect. Like Jesus, like to live like Jesus technically means to live perfect. But none of us have done that even today, right? So we've all, all fallen short of that. We need his grace and his spirit alive and at work within us to live like Jesus as part of our mission. This isn't just a cute phrase we put on a wall. We want to live like Jesus. We want to look like Jesus. So who or what is discipling me? That's the question I want you to wrestle with. Who am I listening to? And Jesus has so much for you. Uh, we're, we're going to be praying and, and looking at the fullness of Christ in our life. And, and, and as we look through Ephesians 4, we're going to see that. In fact, in Ephesians, several times, Paul talks about that and prays that. May you receive the fullness of all that Jesus has for you. If you want to experience that, you've got to learn from Jesus, listen to Jesus, receive from Jesus. And what's cool is we can, have also, we can also have other people disciple us. People who are you know, familiar with the God's word, that are growing in their relationship, they can help us. They can disciple us as well. But the goal is that we don't look like them and live like them. The goal is that we live like Jesus. He is the goal. So love people, live like Jesus, and lead others to him so they can find this life-changing, amazing relationship with Jesus. That's the goal. So how many people have you been able to lead to Jesus? How often does that happen for you? Who's going to heaven because of your witness? I don't ask you to condemn you or to make you feel guilty right now, but I do want you to get you thinking. It's important that we think about this. This is the calling, the mandate, and the privilege that we all have to lead others to him. That's the mission that we have. We were called to do it individually, but we're called to do it collectively as a church. And when some of us start thinking about this, we start thinking about uh, just being afraid of sharing our faith, right? Like, ah, I'd like to, but I get kind of scared and, and uh, I don't know what to say. I'm not equipped. I'm not gifted at it. You know, all this. We have all these reasons but really, it's fear. Fear can grip us. I think fear is one of those things that Andrew spoke to that at the end when he closed things out. Some of us are carrying things in life right now we just need to let go of and give it to Jesus. And fear is a big one, guys. We're just carrying fear. Just remember this. Jesus is not giving you a spirit of fear. He's giving you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of sound mind, self discipline. That is what's from Jesus. So if you are, if fear is gripping you, that's not from Jesus. You need to break that over your life. You need to allow Jesus to break that over you. you you're not called to operate in a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. Okay, so we don't want to be uh, people who are, are full of fear, that are operating in fear, but the world is full of fear. There's a lot of fear. Fear really controls us. We've seen it in a big way the last couple of years. Just fear just grips people. And so there's just a lot of fear in the world. And I love what A.W. Tozer said years ago. He said, a scared world needs a fearless church. Man, I pray that we would be that church, a fearless church. There's so much fear. People are scared all over. Let's be a fearless church. I think a fearless church is full of fearless disciples, fearless followers 
of, of him. And I pray that we would have boldness. We would not be ashamed of who Jesus is and that we would have the, the courage to share with, with, that we'd be fearless in our witness for Jesus. Because the message we have is so important, guys. Like, we got the greatest mission on planet Earth that carries the greatest message on planet Earth about Jesus, the good news, the gospel of Jesus, how he brings hope and healing to those who will receive it. Like, that's the greatest message. People need this. We're so thankful. Those of us that have experienced the hope and the healing and the power of Jesus, we're so thankful. Where would we be without Jesus? But so many people need that all around us. And so when you think about it, the church is one of the few organizations that actually exists for its non-members. Right? We exist for those who aren't a part of this. That's the core purpose of the church. It's one of the few organizations like that. Like, try going to Costco without a membership and buy something. You won't even get in. You, can't, you could flash a fake card. You might get passed, but you can't buy anything. Right? Like, you got to be a member to participate there. And then on your way, you can't buy anything, but then on your way out, they're going to make sure that you are taking out what you paid for too, right? When I was a kid, I used to think, oh, Costco's so nice, they made sure you didn't forget anything. <laughs> that's seriously what I thought as a kid. Oh, that's, they're checking to make sure you, oh, you got, oh, you forgot. I never heard them say you forgot something. And then as I got older, I realized they're just making sure you don't jack anything out of their store. That's what they're doing. Try going to the gym right over here and not being a member. If you try to work out there, try to exercise there, no, got to be a member, right? Like, I tried to watch the show called Picard a few weeks ago. Picard is, is a phenomenal Star Trek sci-fi show. Star, Star Trek The Next Generation is one of the greatest television shows of all time. Now, I, I've told you this. I'm kind of a sci-fi nerd, kind of a sci-fi geek, especially Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh, so Captain Jean-Luc Picard of The Next Generation Star Trek, he's got an ep there's a, a series on Paramount Plus now just about him. Season one was awesome. I wanted to watch season two, but I had to pay to be a member of this. I haven't paid for it yet, so I haven't been able to watch it. But it's like one of those things, like if you want to watch certain things, you got to be a member. you got to be a part of the club. The church exists for those who aren't here. The church exists for those who aren't members of what we got going on. This is why we are here. So think about this. If we aren't seeing people saved, if we aren't seeing salvations, if we aren't seeing people who are lost spiritually and become alive spiritually and find faith and hope in Jesus, if that's not happening, then why, what are we doing? We're just going through the motions, friends. We exist to see lives changed by the power of Jesus. That is the core purpose of the church. So the church is one of the few organizations that exists for the sake of its non-members. And that's the, the mission that Jesus has given us, right? Matthew 28 records Jesus' words. We call it the Great Commission. But he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Which is a good reminder. All authority belongs to Jesus everywhere. Heaven and earth. He has the authority, friends. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, Jesus has the authority. So then he says, go. He's sending us in his authority. We have delegated authority as we go. So he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So that's the Great Commission. That's the, the mission that Jesus has given us. So notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, hey, go and have amazing Sunday morning church services. Because again, this isn't the goal. This is good, but it's not the goal. He said, go and make disciples. He wants people to find 
a relationship in him and, and experience life in him. That is the goal, friends. And so hopefully everything we do helps to aid that cause of you and I living out this mission that Jesus has given us. I think that Jesus has given the church everything it needs to accomplish the mission. We have everything we need to accomplish the mission that Jesus has given us. And especially we have his spirit. His spirit is alive and at work in us, and he wants to empower you to be a bold witness for Jesus. Now, there's two passages in Scripture that really talk specifically about what good ecclesia is. One is, ecclesia, remember, means the church. We're called out ones, but that's the church. And we're talking about stop going to church, right? We want to be the church. So one of those passages is in Acts chapter 2. We might look at that next week, but today we're looking at the Ephesians passage. In fact, all of the book of Ephesians is really good on being the church, what the church is called to look like, how it's called to function. And if you're a man, I would encourage you to come tomorrow night to Monday Men, because they're going through the book of Ephesians all summer long. So it's a fun journey with the men right here, 630, uh, going through Ephesians. But let's look at this Ephesians 4 passage today. And look what it says to us about us being the church. Verse 1, Paul says this. He's writing to his friends in Ephesus. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, which means what? It means Paul's in prison. Like literally, he's in prison writing this letter to his friends in Ephesus. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. There's a key word in there is all of it. Just underline the whole thing. But uh, one word that I really stands out to me is urge. Paul is like pleading to his friends, the disciples in Ephesus, but to us as followers, as disciples of Jesus. He's like pleading, I'm urging you, live this way. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. All of you have received a calling from Jesus. Did you know that? You are called by him to live with him and, and, and to be his representatives here on earth throughout the rest of your life. You have a, an incredible calling, and it's even way broader and deeper than that. But Paul is like pleading, I'm urging you, live in such a way that you live worthy of that calling, this amazing calling that Jesus has given you. Verse 2 says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then he goes on to say, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. One spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. All right, so what we see there is Paul lays out four qualities here that are very essential for uh, us to be the church and to work and live together in unity. We must be humble and gentle. Do you see that in there? Be humble and gentle. We need uh, to be patient and have forbearance, extending love and patience towards people. How many could uh, use a little extra patience from some people? Maybe you need a little extra patience for some people. All right now, okay, so this is how Paul is calling you and I to live together. Gentle, humble, forgiving, loving, if we are going to be unified, that must take place. Now, what's interesting is Paul is setting up where he's going in the next few verses. Because Paul's about ready to dive into, hey, we've all been given different gifts. 
So what happens is when you and I have a different gift, that means we think differently, we act differently, we like different things, we focus on different things, and we have this thought of this is what the church should do and be like. Well, the truth is that's what you should do and be like because that's your gift, but we need all of the gifts. And so that's where Paul's going. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute here, but Paul's setting us up like, hey, we're all different. We think differently because we're, we're gifted differently. So let's work together. Let's build unity. And so let's exercise humble uh, humility and forgiveness, all that kind of stuff. So you can see he's really speaking to the need for us to work together and accept one another for who we are. Did you catch that? Okay, so let's keep going on to the next verse here. Verse 7 says this, But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Each of us, all of us, we got grace. This isn't just a saving grace, like you accept what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's what I love about following Jesus. It's not about what you or I do. It's about accepting what he already did. And he hung on the cross for our sins, for our rebellion. When you and I accept that, we don't have to do anything to earn it. It's his grace. It's freely given to us. You receive his grace. And we're, we're saved. We're changed. We're in relationship with him. But he's not talking about that. Because we, we need not just grace for salvation. We need grace to live every single day. We need a grace to empower us to live this life. We need grace for ourselves and for each other. And uh, he's talking about how this, he's, he's really gifted us with a grace. There's a grace that he's gifted us with, speaking of these different gifts that he's getting ready to go into. So let's look at those five gifts that Paul mentions here. Verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. This is what we call the fivefold ministry gifts right here. And so again, we're laying a foundation for who we are as a church, how we're called to function. And the more and more I study scripture and study ecclesia and church and ecclesiology, which is the study of how to do the church and all that, you see these five, uh, five gifts must be in operation for the church to be what Jesus intended it to be. We need all five of these, these gifts. So here, let's look at what these gifts are. The apostle is the person gifted to pioneer churches, ministries, and leaders that are founded in Christ. That's that apostolic gift. The prophets, they're gifted to bring spirit-prompted words of encouragement, challenge, discipline, and warning. And the evangelists, they're gifted to bring people to a relationship with Jesus. Pastors, they're gifted to care for the spiritual needs of a local church. And then teachers are gifted to clarify, explain, and communicate God's word in order to build up the body of Christ. So all five of those gifts are important, friends. You will tend to lean to one of those, and you think that's the most important one. But what happens is you need to operate in your gift and embrace all of the gifts. Because all of the gifts are what make the church strong and mighty. What's happened in, in recent years is we really elevated two of the gifts and suppressed three of the gifts. We've elevated the pastor and the teacher. We kind of get those. Those make sense. We can understand those a lot more. And then what we've done is we've kind of suppressed the apostolic gift, the prophetic gift, and the evangelistic gift. And therefore, we have an imbalanced, unhealthy, not as powerful church as a result. So 
We need all five of these. I, I believe that Jesus functioned in all five of these. This is you and I being his representatives. This is you and I exercising our gifts so that the church as a whole can be the powerful force that Jesus intended it to be. But all five have to be in operation, every single one of them. And so I just happen to be studying and reading a guy by the name of Alan Hirsch right now who really thinks and writes on a lot of this stuff. And this is what he says. I love this. And he says, the church needs to be an apostolic movement. And that's what I believe. Jesus set the church up to be a, a movement. It's not about a meeting. The church is a movement of people on the move, storming the gates of hell, depopulating hell, and increasing the population of heaven. That's what we want to see ultimately. But this is what he says as he talks about apostolic movement. He said, in short, apostolic movement involves radical a radical community of disciples centered on the lordship of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, built squarely on a five-fold ministry, organized around mission where everyone, not just the professionals, is considered an empowered agent and tends to be decentralized in organizational structure. I like that description right there. That is very broad, comprehensive, and, and awesome. And I pray that you and I would see that and experience that in and through our church. All of those things. All of us need to be using our gifts. It's not just the professionals, but all of us. But think about this. Isn't this cool that Jesus set it up this way? That you have different gifts, you have different, like we all have different gifts. Like this is the way he put it together. Because he knew that that's what would build strength into the church. The strength of a church comes from its diversity. You ever think about that? And see, a lot of people want to shy away from diversity. They're like, oh, you think and act differently than me? Then I'm going to go someplace else where they think and act like me. And so we resist diversity. Naturally, that's our tendency. But we need to embrace diversity because that's what makes the church strong. Okay, so the evangelists can tend to think, well, I'll just... I'm going to go to a place where they're like, you know, we're seeing people saved and, and reaching people and all these other Christians. They're all lazy because they're not like sharing their faith and seeing salvations. That's what evangelists think. And then the teachers think like, you know, the teachers that are gifted in you know, teaching, dissecting the word, they're the ones that show up to church, but they tolerate the music and worship. They're like, okay, this is okay, but can we just kind of move past this and get to the preaching? I want the teaching of the word. They like that. And then there's others of you that are like, I love the music and the worship. Can we do that for like two hours? And then give me a little devotional, Tyrone, that's all I need, just a little devotional thought. But let's just worship the Lord, you know? And so that's based upon giftings. Did you know that? And that is, okay, this is why we all need each other. In fact, if you've been around the church for, for a long time, you probably can think back to a favorite pastor in your life. Someone who's like, I just love this pastor. Maybe second favorite next to me, right? <laughs> Uh, you probably have someone you like more than me. That is okay. I get it. All right. So the, there's a good indication or maybe a, a good, uh, what's, what's, what's the right word? There's, it, it's, it's likely true that that pastor that you really resonated with and really liked had the same gifting as you because they thought about the church the same way you did. They think they would, they would think about ministry the same way you would. It's all about the teaching of the word, and that's all we got to do. But we need the apostles that say, hey, let's go start something new over here. Let's expand. Let's move here. Let's, let's take this group, and let's go over here. Let's start something new. We need apostles that are thinking, how can we expand what's going on? And we need evangelists that are saying, let's go share our faith. 
Come on, let's go, be, let's be in the world and let's see salvations take place. And we need prophetic people that are saying, hey, I, I got a word for, for you or I got a word for the church. We need to redirect. I got some encouragement or correction. We need the prophetic voice speaking into the church. Because here's what happens. If we are just allowing pastors and teachers to lead the church, it becomes very inward focused. But this is what we've done within the Western culture. So we elevate these two giftings. It's all about pastors and teachers. And we really elevate great teachers. And we think the best pastors are the great teachers. And that's why we watch all their, you know, their, their YouTube videos and all that kind of stuff. They just might have a really good gifting to this. And therefore, we think every pastor needs to do that. But that pastor's gifting might be evangelism or might be something else. So this is where we got to allow people to be themselves. And so if a church is only operating in pastoral and teaching giftings, it's become inward focus. We're like, let's just take care of each other. Let's love on each other. We got to take care of our needs. It's all about community and love and living life together. And then we got the teachers saying, this is how we're called to live. Don't do this. Live like this. And so make sure you live right. Don't do the wrong things. And it can become very religious feeling because it's all about rules and all this kind of stuff and very, very inward focus. This is why we need the other gifts in operation to help expand the church and help, help expand ministries and get them moving. Otherwise, we can become stagnant. But we need all of them. We need pastoral care. So important. We saw that firsthand two years ago. It's like, it like, we can't gather together, but how do we, like, we still need to care for each other. Like, pastoral care is very important. We need good teaching. All of this is so, so important, guys. And so the strength of a church comes from its diversity. It's important that we understand this. It's good for you to hang out with people who think like you and act like you, and you can learn from other people that are similar gifted from you. But if you only do that, you are hindering your growth. And you're hindering the growth of the church. And we want to see all of us grow. Would it surprise you if I admitted to you that pastor is not one of my gifts? Some of you might be surprised by that. Some of you might like, nope, not at all. <laughs> if you know me. It doesn't even show up in my top five. Yet here I am, pastor. And, and because of that title, there's a lot of expectations that come with that. When you think about it. So why it's good to look at this and go look at the foundations of who we're called to be and act as a church is because we need to have this culture where we are releasing you and allowing you to be you. And at the same time, I need you to release me and allow me to be me and how God has gifted me. And we got to kind of let go of expectations on other people. They should act like this. They should do this. Well, it's probably a good thing they don't because God gave them a different gifting and we need to let them be who God has created them to be. And the strength of the church comes through the diversity of the giftings, which we all need. You need to hang out with people who think and act differently from you. You need that. Don't just leave because you got, I want to go to this place because they just all think the same. No, 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 no. You are missing out on growth because this is the goal. Like we're working together, uh, functioning our gifts to strengthen the church, but also to help all of us grow is what these next few verses show us. Verse 12. Verse 12 uh, to prepare God's people, which is the church, which is us, for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Everybody say mature. That's a key word right there. There's a lot of key words in there, but become mature. This is part of the the calling, the mandate we all have. Next, Next Sunday, I might go into this. What's more important, mission or maturity? And so there's a tension there, mission and maturity. Well, I want to talk about that. But let's look at, break down this, these two verses right here. What happens is when the church functions in these five gifts, you see these three things happen. Strength, unity, and maturity. Strength, the body of Christ is built up. Unity, we got, we're, we're, uni- we're centered around Jesus. Unity in the faith and who Jesus is. And maturity. Which it says, being mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the bottom line is, is if the fivefold ministry gifts are not in operation, we will not see those three things take place. It, it, it can't happen. All five of those in operation, creating diversity and strength, can allow us to truly experience this strength that Paul talks about in unity and maturity. So... You and I all have a part to play in this. Isn't that kind of fun? Like you have gifts that God has given you. And if you are not using those gifts, one, I want to help you use those gifts. Two, uh, you're missing out on the fun of using your gift because it's like it's super fun to use your gifts. And three, you're missing out on your own growth and maturity by not using your gifts. And four, if I could add a fourth, you're missing out on helping the church grow in maturity as well. Okay, you're missing out on a lot by not using your gifts. So this message today is really a very good analogy of the whole locker room thing we've been talking about for the last few weeks, right? Like, what is the purpose of the church gathering? It's really similar to a locker room gathering for a sports team. The sports team gathers in the locker room to talk strategy, and here's the plan. We encourage each other, and... uh, just help us to figure out how we're going to go play this game. Because this is not the goal. The goal is that we gather here, we get encouraged, inspired, strengthened, encouraged. We use our gifts. Some of us need to be using our gifts here in our gatherings. And then we go and we live this thing out. If a sports team only showed up to the locker room and then went home and didn't play the game, like, that's not the goal, right? The goal is not the locker room. The goal is the game. So the goal is that you and I would live this thing out this afternoon and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, all, all day. Every day, all week long. That's the goal. Live, I, want, I just want us to be in the game, essentially. But that's why it's important for us to have like a little locker room talk to talk about strategy and what's the goal here. And I will say this. We have a discipleship strategy. We won't take time to look at this today, but it really kind of centers down into two goals within our process of discipleship and our growth here. And we want to see you doing two things. Find a group and serve. Group and serve. So find a place to serve and use your gifts and get in a group. Those are the two things that we want to see everybody experience as a part of our church community. Because I know when you are in a group and you're serving, you're going to grow. It will happen. If you're missing out on one or both of those things, you are hindering your growth. And can I just be honest and say, you are not living out biblical Christianity. Okay, if I say that? Because we want to live according to this word. We want to live this thing out. All right, so let's look at the last few verses here. 
Verse 14, then you will no longer be infants. Another word for that could be, you won't be immature anymore. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we all have a role. We all have a part to play in this. And as we do this, it helps us grow in maturity, friends. You can't grow in maturity by yourself. Did you, have you realized that? Like, you realize that firsthand when you get married? Like, oh, this is bringing out a lot of immaturities in my life. And then you have, if you have kids, you're like, oh, okay, okay, this is more, in, more immaturities in my life, okay? It's funny how that happens. But I think the workplace is a great place that you and I can grow in maturity as well. That's a very important place for you and I to be salt and light, but also learn how to work with people, how to get along with people, how to show people that I am living like Jesus. I'm growing. I'm not perfect, but I'm growing to be more and more like him. And so the workplace is a great place for you and I to grow in maturity. It's a very important place. And for those who struggle to get along with people in the workplace and they, and they lose jobs, that is a, that's, a, that's a sign of Jesus saying, I want to help you grow. And it's the same in the church. We need each other to grow in maturity. And so maturity can only happen as we live life together with other people. As each does its part. So you have a gift to use. Jesus has given you a gift. Do you know what those are? I want to help you. I want to do something I've never done before. We've never done here before, at least. And I'm going to hit the pause button on my sermon. And I'm going to give you five minutes to take a spiritual gifts assessment. And for some of you, this is going to be amazing because you've never done this before. This is why as we're going this process of really wanting to be the church and function as the church, I felt like it is so important for you to know your gifts. Let's take time to do it on a Sunday morning. Do something totally new, totally different. So if you go to the digital program, you will find a link in the digital program at the very top for a spiritual gifts assessment. And so we're all going to take five minutes right here. I want everyone to do it. If you don't have a phone or a digital device, raise your hand. We got a paper copy for you. You can do it on paper. And so you can use the pen and the seat by you and do it on paper. A bunch of people use paper in the first service. Yeah, you can scan that QR code on the screen there. That'll take you to the digital program. And some of you for the first time are about ready to see the digital program, though we've talked about it for two years. This is going to be great. There's a lot of great stuff in there. But the top is the spiritual gifts assessment. Click that link, and we're going to take a few moments right here to do a spiritual gifts test or assessment. I could be one of those teachers that sends you home with homework to do this, but I'm going to be a good teacher and say, let's do it in class. You like that? Right now. Let's do it right now. Before we go, it is that important, friends. Some lovely music is going to come on. I want you to take some time right now having fun, and it is a lot of fun to do this and discover your gifts. Find that link or raise your hand if you need a paper copy. We'll deliver a paper copy to you. Let's take a few moments right now. And let's do this. Most of you should be able to get it done. Some of you will be able to get it done in five minutes. I'm going to give you five minutes. Not all of you will finish. That's okay if you don't finish. Let's take five minutes and let's do it. 
I'm going to give you just a few more seconds here, guys. And we'll just hit the pause button. Some of you may have already finished it. I'd love to invite the worship team to come on up here as we close our time out today together. Anybody finish it yet? All right, why don't we go ahead and do this? Let's hit the pause button on this. Why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet? And you can finish it actually during the, during the song that we're about ready to, uh, to have here. And we'll have some prayer and worship time. And if you want to finish it during that time, feel free. But I need that for a few more seconds. Thanks, buddy. Um, but um, I let people sit down. And I kind of did my concluding thoughts to the day in the first service. And I preached some of the best sentences in my entire life. And no one even listened. And so I thought, <laughs> let's have you stand. So you're at least listening in case we hear something good. But also, just as a focus thing, here's what I want to say. We want to hear from you what your gifts are. I thought there was an email that comes because we give our email. I don't, I don't know if an email comes, but can you make sure when you get to the end of the assessment, download it to your phone or screenshot it if you'd like and email that to us. And we're going to send back to you this next week descriptions and scriptures for you to look at of your gifts so that you can study that and look at that. This is a really fun and important tool in your spiritual growth to know who you are and how God has gifted you spiritually. These are different than talents. You're born with talents. These are spiritual gifts that Jesus has gifted you with for yourself and for the body of Christ. So please email those back to us. If you've got a paper form, I'd love for you to write your name on the top and your email address on the top of the paper and leave that here with us. You can just leave it with the, with the ushers in the back, with Matt back there by the bucket when you leave. And we'll copy it and email you your copy as well, but then also it gives us a copy. So uh, you can leave, there's the buckets back there with our, for our Connect cards and our offering cards. And, and right back there, Matt will be there and you can, you can leave the paper there. But make sure your name and your email address is on there so we can send it back to you as well, the copy of it. But we just want to gather all of the giftings within our church and also help you use your giftings. So this is going to shed some light on some of your passions in life and release you to function in your giftings. That's what we want to do. I just think that the church is so powerful and so much more fun when people are using their gifts. I want to be a part of a church like that where it's fun, people are using their gifts, and God's on the move. That's the church I want to be a part of. And so that's why we take time to do this right now. It's that important, guys. This has always been important to us. We've never taken time to do this, so I thought, let's do it today. And then, so get that information to us, and then we'll, we'll get it back to you, and then we can give you some stuff on what your gifting means. But God gave you a gift, and he gave all of us gifts. There's strength in that diversity. And let me read to you again that quote. I love this quote. Let's put that quote back up on the screen uh, from, from Alan Hirsch. She says this. I hope this describes us. In short, 
Apostolic movement involves radical, a radical community of disciples centered on the Lordship of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, built squarely on a five-fold ministry, organized around mission, where everyone, not just the professionals, is considered an empowered agent and tends to be decentralized in organizational structure. This is the direction we want to go, guys. This is the process we're in right now as a church where, uh, as a board, we're talking about how can we release the gifts and empower more and more people in our church. This is, it, it kind of started with this whole sabbatical Amy and I are getting ready to go on in just a couple of weeks. We're going to be gone for most of the summer, but my prayer is that God uses you in your gifts all summer long. I don't want to see you check out this summer. One of my soapboxes I might get on next week is don't be one of those people that's like, the pastor's not preaching, I'm not going to church. Because my thought is, why are you going to church then? It's only for you is what you have admitted. But maybe God wants you there for somebody else. Have you ever thought about that? God wants to use you. God, we, you have gifts for the church. This is, not the, this is not the goal for you and I to show up and be entertained and to learn and grow and go home and not use our gifts and help anybody else, okay? More on that next week. But we are called to do this together, guys. Uh, don't check out this summer. Use your gifts all summer long. I think it's so important. Let me read verse 13 to you, and then I'm going to pray this over us. This is so good. Until... We all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Several times Paul speaks to that in Ephesians. He says, I pray that you be filled with the fullness of Christ. You and I need the Spirit of God alive and at work in us to live this thing out. We need His help and His power. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.